Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Everybody, what's up? Welcome back. You're you're here. <laughs> We're so excited for a special treat. Stay tuned after the video and after the credits to see what I put up with every time we try to film an episode. It will shock and horrify you. What what did you expect? <sighs> no, that's what I expected. Okay. So, we are here today to talk about a Game Boy game, Yay. and a sequel Game Boy Yay. game. We're on sequels. I'm excited we're on sequels. Most games tend to get better. We are here to talk about Final Fantasy Legends 2, also known as Saga 2. Saga 2. Because in the 90s, Squaresoft decided... Everything had to be called Final everything Fantasy. Everything had to be called Final Fantasy, or it wouldn't sell, which may have been accurate. So. Yeah, which is how we got Final Fantasy Adventure, which is... Uh, well, it's... Second, I can't do the Japanese name. Seiken Densetsu. Seiken Densetsu 1. one. Yeah. Uh, so when, like, Secret of Mana came out, like, I never... I didn't know that as a kid, and I played yeah. the hell out of Final Fantasy Adventure, and Secret mm -hmm. of Mana came out in the prologue, and went, I know this story! Yeah. I, I, I know this! Mm -hmm. It was very strange for me. So anyway, let's start with personal history, just for a change, just for a mix-up. Yeah, we are mixing it up, aren't we? We're kind of like the Dragon Quest of review shows. It's it's essentially the exact same thing. Because it works. Inception, true. So, like most of the games we play, um, I have the Game Boy cartridge for Final Fantasy Legend 2. I am sure it's in my closet at my house um, somewhere. My original Game Boy, I killed it because the battery's corroded. Um, but I do still have all the games. Um, so I played Final Fantasy Legend 2 before I played the first Final Fantasy Legend, which is um, usually how I came into uh, Final Fantasy games. I played Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 before 1. Um, so I was disappointed when I played the first Final Fantasy Legend because I played this one first, and it is better, spoiler warning. Um, so yeah, I, um, my personal history is literally the same as it almost always is. I'm, I'm the one that's telling Jeff about these games. Not this time, sir. Not this time. I have personal history with this game. I never owned it, but my friend Ryan did. Uh, Ryan has showed up before. We talked about Arcana. Uh, he might have showed up when we talked about other games, but he owned it. And so it, when I was over at his house, I'd play it on his Game Boy sometimes in little bits and pieces. Uh, in particular, I remember playing in Giant's World. And I thought it was so cool that you could have, like, monsters and robots in your party. 
Uh, but this was my first time to play through the entire game beginning to end and experience the full story. But it always, it always seemed to me to be a very interesting game uh, in the tiny bits and pieces I played it in. So I was looking forward to finding out what was really going on. I do have my summary here. A boy's father disappears when he's young. As an adult, he finds out that his father was hunting down magi, mysterious pieces of a god that grant special powers. He decides that in order to find out what happened to his father, he must go out and collect all of the magi. You said a boy's father, but in uh, my true. game, it was a girl's father. That's true, which is going to bring us to characters, yes. which is Russ's area. So, much like the first Final Fantasy Legend, um, your characters are, you have a, you make your own party. You get to choose your own hero, you choose between a male or female human, a male or female mutant, a robot, or monster. The mutants are a translation of Esper, Espers. for those who know the Final Fantasy series later on. Right. They're basically magical creatures. I guess nobody in the '90s would know what an esper was. Yeah, but I mean, we didn't have we didn't have Wikipedia to post-apocalyptic. Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, so so. What if I want to play a female robot? What if I want to play a gynoid? Well, you can do that. Just name your robot Susie or something. Done. Yeah, that's fine. Your monsters can be male or female. I assume as in well. your in your imagination. In your imagination, yes. Speaking of robots, I honestly think they're a little bit broken in this game. They are. Yeah, it... it um... Because you can stack... The way robot stats work is uh, their HP and armor goes up when you equip armor on them, but any piece of armor in a set does the same. So, like, if you want a bonus for mithril armor, a mithril glove works. Four mithril gloves work, and it'll be four times yeah. the power of... Which is... They recharge their weapons by sleeping, so you can give them the most powerful weapons, and then when they go to an inn, yeah, they get their durability back. All classes are breakable. And you can actually heal them fully up just by unequipping and re-equipping armor on them over and over again, and it'll boost their HP back up. Yeah, so a four-robot party would be completely broken. Yeah, it would dominate the game. Yeah. Uh, as you're going to see in the footage, I did the footage for this one, right? You did. I did. Uh, to get a full feeling for the game, I did a male hero, a female mutant, uh, a, a monster, and a robot. What did you do? Which is which is the most balanced party. Um, I did. Well, I did one. I did one female human. That was my main character, and then three mutants. Because mutants are the other broken class the same as the first Final Fantasy Legend is um, mutants. If you can control their magic and what they have is magic, then um, they're, they're also completely broken. I'll say this. they do recharge their magic when you stay at an inn. And the, and, and, and it, the, the magic system is very easy to manipulate. The mutants will randomly learn new, randomly learn new magic spells but it always replaces the one that's on the bottom of their list of four spells. So if you just keep the ones that you want to keep on the mutant in the top three magic slots, yeah. then you can 100% control what magic they have. 
And uh, monsters... And you don't have to buy, like, weapons for yeah. them. Monsters were a cool concept. I like the idea of monsters, but by about halfway through the game, I realized I wasn't using the monster at all. Yeah. Like, he was just there. But I would not have beaten the game had it not been for the monster in my party. In the very last battle, he came through and proved himself because the other three party members were down. The enemy was almost down. And my monster had a vampiric touch, which hurt the enemy and healed himself for more damage than the enemy was doing to him. So then it oh, just became okay. a matter of running out the clock. And I beat the game because of the monster <laughs> in my party, who had been useless for about 20 hours of gameplay. Okay, well that's neat. Yeah. Kind of an, kind of an example of how older games were so broken in so many different ways, but sometimes it really worked to your advantage. I was sad I couldn't take a chainsaw to God. Yes. Yeah. Are there any characters apart from your party that you want to discuss? Well, that's that's what I was going to talk about next, um, because your party is just these four generic characters that you create yourself, but unlike the first game, you almost always have a fifth party member, which is a character um, with an actual like name and personality that's not just a random blank slate, and they actually play a role in the story. There's, there's Key, the priestess, and mm. there's Lynn, who... Maybe your half sister, <laughs> which we'll get into. I think in the story. I want to talk sure. about the story. Well, this is we're in the story area. I mean, this is okay. story and character. Well, Lynn. So Lynn, this is this is one of my favorite plot lines of the game because it's so it's so adult for like a nineteen nineties. I'll give it first of all because this leads into what you're about to talk about. I'll give it this: the way the game starts, you expect you're not going to find your father till the end, right? But you find him about halfway through. You do. And then? And then you go to this one world, because you're jumping from one world to the other, and you go to this world and you meet this little girl named Lynn, and there's lots of clues that perhaps your father has a secret family <laughs> in another world. Because like he's he... watching out for them. He's spending time there <laughs> right. and taking care of them, as opposed to, you know, his wife and son that he left. Right. A decade ago. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, anyway, I like Lin, and I love the the characters in the actual like Japanese world, the feudal Japan world, There's where little... they changed it to bananas. But originally, yeah. it was what well, heroin. Yes, in the original, in the Japanese version of the game, when you get to the feudal Japan world, there's, there's a story smuggling about smuggling heroin, opium, opium. And, yeah, but they change it to bananas, bananas for, uh, banana for English yes. because of Nintendo's weird 1990s policy of you know no no drugs or cursing or whatever a religion um but except I like those you characters. fight gods in this one right but it's not the christian gods so it's okay yeah it's greek gods you yeah fight apollo. it's okay to have greek religion yeah. or roman you fight apollo and venus and um odin odin which is norse which is norse yes actually the odin is Interesting, and we may be jumping into innovations instead. Yeah, we'll save that. Yeah, we'll talk about Odin in a bit. But I like. But anyway, my point is that I liked that there was like this fifth party member that's almost always with you, and they take your generic characters and they draw them more into the story than just you know we're we're heroes and we're on a quest. The story is pretty decent. Uh, the geisha, and like I said, that's what I was going to say. I like the geisha. It doesn't flow exactly like you would expect it to, because you do encounter your father much earlier than you'd feel, and he does play a part. Yes. Uh, although there's also the mystery, like not your father character. Right, and that's where the that's where like the uh, the um, 
the doubt is in Lynn being your half sister is because that not your father character Mask, might be her father. It, it, the sprite is exactly the same as your father, except he wears a but mask. But he wears a mask. Yeah. And claims not to be your father. And then you run into your father and don't go, hey, were, do you have a mask? <laughs> right. Because yeah. I just met a guy. Yeah. All right. So we're we good for story and characters? We are. I just want to keep talking about Lynn, honestly. It is It is a fun little Because there's the one where she, there's the part where she gets kidnapped and then your your father is so worried about her, and you like run to that other world where you don't do anything except just fight that battle to save her. <sighs> so moving on, it it was a big it was a big deal to my like nine year old brain. To what is probably going to be our shortest section, combat system. It's pretty much the same as the last game. Yeah. It's Dragon Warrior style combat. Weapons have durability. Uh, If a character dies, they get knocked out. And so after the combat, any dead character now has one HP, which I actually kind of prefer. A lot of games do that. Right. And I do prefer that that, uh, resurrection items have to be only used in combat to be of any use because they're usually pretty rare. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, it's more of the same in terms of the saga system. You have you have breakable weapons. All of your level. We, you, we talked about how robots work. We yeah. talked about how mutants. And work. you don't gain levels. You just you get hit more. Your HP goes up. You use physical attacks more. Your strength goes up. You use magic. Your mana goes up. Um, it's the regular. Anyone who's played any saga game, it's the regular um, saga growth system, which in some saga games really annoys me. But in others like this one, I'm okay with it because I feel like you get a lot of. I feel like the game is really quick in giving you, um, like increases to your stats. I felt like my characters were always really strong, without like grinding. And I didn't use yeah. any. I didn't use any monsters, so I wasn't relying on meat. I wasn't relying. Yeah, on Yeah, the monsters meat are very grow. hit and miss. I guess if you wanted a real challenge, a party of four a monsters. A party of four monsters would be difficult. Or. You could fly through. It really is pretty random. There's a, if you go to Game FAQs, there's a whole spreadsheet that will tell you, like, if this monster eats this meat. Just like in the first game, monster. somebody made it their life's work. Yeah. Uh, and, and God bless these weird people. Oh, I know, right? Like, sometimes sometimes I have the... I can see those tendencies of, like, being so obsessed with something. Like, I have to chart this out? That you would just want to make a spreadsheet out of it, because I love making spreadsheets. <laughs> but I like making lists. Yeah, there you go. Let's see. Uh, but anyway, so we're kind of stalling because there's there's nothing to this combat system that is new or special as compared to Final Fantasy Legends 1, which is fine. It's a Game Boy game series. Right. I don't expect great innovations in the combat system, especially when it works. So the fact that we don't have much to say about the combat system isn't meant to be a derision of the game itself. It just means there's not much for us to talk about because we have already talked about it exhaustively. Yeah. So... If you want more, go see our review of Final Fantasy Legends 1, skip to the combat section, and that's this game. (laughs) It really is. But we'll move on to something that does have some differences, and that's innovations. So we alluded to the Odin thing first. 
Uh, and what I think is interesting in this game is if you die, if you game over in a combat, all your party dies, you appear before Odin. And Odin says, I will grant you a second chance if you agree to fight me later. Which in and of itself is an interesting mechanic, that instead of the screen just saying game over... You actually like going restart the battle. Or whatever, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think this is probably one of the earliest examples of a do-over. Yeah. Where it doesn't just hardline game over. You get to do the combat over again. But at a certain point in the game, you do encounter Odin. It's nearer the end. Mm -hmm. But you do encounter Odin. You do fight him. And once you kill Odin... You do not get that do-over screen anymore because Odin is dead. Odin's dead. And I thought that was fascinating. Unless. There's an unless. You never died. No. Because I never died. Like, I saved and restored state because I wanted to see what would happen. Oh, you did? Yeah. It didn't work? I saved and restored state so my party never met Odin before I encountered him in Valhalla mm -hmm. as far as the game knew. Uh-huh. And I still had to fight Interesting. him. Interesting. That's like an urban legend. Thing. I had heard that story, too. Okay. That's why I did it. I specifically went out of my way to make sure that my party never met Odin before you had to fight him. And it went exactly the same way. Really? Interesting. I'm still finding out new information <laughs> after all these years. So, yeah, after you beat Odin, you no longer get do-overs near the end of the game when the battles are the hardest. But it makes sense. Like, I kind of liked that. It's integrated into the story. Which yeah. Which is interesting. You do start the game with a very powerful temporary party member, which basically turns the beginning into a tutorial, mm -hmm. because he can one-hit kill the first boss you encounter. Yes. So it gives you a chance to kind of play around with your characters risk-free, right. because at any point your teacher can step in and just go, bam. Uh, there is a huge variety of weapons in this game, much like the first one. Sadly, much like the first one, there's no way to tell at a glance what is better than others. Right. You, again, have to equip things and then look at your stats and see how your stats have changed. And I hate that. It is so and easy no to put a little up arrow. Right. Some t and some, some weapons base their power on, on strength. Agility. Some strength. on agility. Some on magic. And if it wasn't for spreadsheets online, again. I'd never be able to mm -hmm. figure it out. Um... Different types of party members level up in different ways, which we talked about we already. We talked about. Um, sorry, I'm going off my list of innovations over here. Um, there's really a lot going on here with character development and weapons. I'm trying to figure out what I meant by that. <laughs> I think it just well, has, it has to do with uh, the way your characters level up, which we discussed, and the huge variety of weapons. Yes, and because using a weapon, I think maybe what you meant is like using a whip for example which i know like a whip the strength the strength of it is based on your agility yeah and it also counts towards like increasing your agility so if you're really really like a savant and obsessive about it you can you can really you can, like min max characters yeah. and things really easily by using specific weapons on specific if you're the kind of person what i think i meant is if you're the kind of person who really likes digging into the minutia of how a game yeah. works there's a lot here that you could actually go in and play with. I mean, just the mon just the monsters alone. Oh my god, yes. Is it is like its own little toy box. Yeah, I just I just ran it at random, pretty much. If I had one I liked, I didn't have them eat meat for a while until they used up the abilities I liked. Uh, in the final dungeon, I just kept going through meat like crazy, trying to hope I would find something, right. and I did. I beat the game because of it. Because sometimes I do know from that spreadsheet is some 
like some specific monsters will give you a specific legendary monster that you can become and you can't become that monster by eating the meat of any other monster but that monster mm-hmm. i mean it's real it's it's fun it actually is pretty fun although this game does do another one of my pet peeves that i hate not just equipping items and not knowing but being able to whiff against defeated monsters yeah Mm-hmm. If a monster is defeated before you attack it, your attack just misses. I hate that. Um, the ends, like the first game, charge per how much HP they're healing. It's not mm-hmm. 200 gold to stay the night. It's, oh, you're this damaged, it's this much right. gold. Which, seem, in a meta way, doesn't make a lot of sense. Because, like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm not injured at all. I'm just tired. <laughs> You're bleeding from the leg. No, no, I'm always that way. It's fine. Well, then I guess it's free. Like, right. Uh, the worlds are really tiny. And I almost yes. wonder if worlds wasn't mistranslated. Well, but you're literally climbing vines. Yeah, but the worlds, worlds. Like Jack and the, Be- like Jack and the Beans. Often saw. the worlds have a town. Yeah. Or a dungeon. Like the te- That's like the, the whole world. Yeah, like the world where it's a dragon race. Yeah, that the entire it. world <laughs> is this one dragon okay. race. So I, I I wonder if, like, with Super Mario Galaxy, where they might not have mistranslated They might world. have. It, it's probably... It might be because it feels like a misnomer. Yeah. Well, it's kind of related to the first game where you're climbing the tower to all of the different worlds, but they... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the worlds were bigger in the first one. There were well, fewer of them. There were a lot fewer and there were four worlds and there were like twenty worlds. I will here. give the first game that. It was a little more that was a little more of a coherent It felt more narrative like worlds. because you're actually climbing the tower in between yeah. the worlds too. Um there is a completely unnecessary and very nasty dungeon. Yeah. And what I, I what I really liked was as you enter this dungeon, it's a world you can just skip. As you enter the dungeon, there's a fairy that goes, hey, this dungeon's really mean. You may not want to go through it. And of course... not kidding. Yeah. And of course, I went through it anyway, and you get to the end, and she's like, yeah, that was rough, wasn't it? And I guess I didn't look closely enough, because you can... There's a way to see if there's any magi you need to collect in that world, and there's not in that world. You can skip that entire yeah, world. You can. But I assumed when the fairy was trying to wave me off, she was going to end up to be the villain or something. It turns out, no, that was legit. Yeah. You legitimately can skip that dungeon. Right. Seriously, it's rough. You don't have to do it. There's one, There's one. I remember that. There's one magi that's in a chest that's right next to the fairy yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And, and then you, and then you can just leave. Yeah. Um, oh, it had a non-linear story near the beginning. Mm-hmm. You actually, the story actually required you to bounce back and forth between some worlds at the beginning, right. which I found very interesting. It wasn't just the straight shot. It was go to world three, now go back to world two to get something for world one from world three and two, and yeah. then, it, it, then it became linear after that. But in the beginning, there was some actual balancing around. I had to keep track of who I met on what world and how do I mm-hmm. get there again. I think so a lot I, of JRPGs like are like that. I think, they, I think maybe it gets a little too convoluted for the riders. And I would like to point out, super anticlimactic boss fight. <laughs> the final boss? Yes, right. We talk about, in, tro- in our trope discussions every 10th episode, about the concept of the surprise boss. Right. Which is, the story's been building up to this guy, 
but this guy's actually the emboss. Like, at the last minute, they pulled a switcheroo, and I've always used Final Fantasy IV as that, because it's, you know, go Bez, go Bez, go Bez. Actually, it's the Romas. Um, I almost want to use this one as it now, because the entire (laughs) game leads up to you fighting Apollo. From the first world, you're led up to, I'm going to have to fight Apollo eventually, and eventually you do fight Apollo. Right. And then with Isis on your side, after you beat Apollo, who was hard, Mm -hmm. you go through a dungeon to instill Isis on her throne so she's the one god to rule over everything. And as she gets to her indoctrination spot, some sci-fi alarms kick on, and you have to fight the security defense system that's trying to prevent her from getting on a throne, and that's the end boss. (laughs) Like, this guy we've been building up to this entire battle, or the entire game for? The entire game. Not the end boss. No, I've got one more dungeon, then I have to fight a security drone. Right. That's the end right. boss. I had no investment in that fight. Right. The Apollo fight was hard and very interesting. Yeah. Because he thought he had all the power and he didn't, so he's actually, like, decomposing as the fight goes on. And really... The main point of that fight is to survive to the end. Mm-hmm. It's more a question of time versus damage. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea in JRPGs where the final boss fight is slightly different from all the other fights that you've had up to that point. Like in Earthbound. Like you're just singing or praying. Or even a lot of the Final Fantasies make the final boss fight unlosable. Once you get to that mm-hmm. point, it's just a story at that point. I like the idea of the end boss fight being different. But in this one, it was the next to end boss fight that was different. That was the big dramatic build-up to. <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, here's a boss. Oh, yeah. Sorry oh. you were so disappointed. It was very anticlimactic. And the word is anticlimactic. That's another pet peeve of mine. People say anticlimactic. That means oh, they're against the weather. I didn't know people said anticlimactic. That means you're against the weather, the climate. Anticlimactic. Climax. Climactic. Anyway. Mine is asterisk. Okay. Asterisk. Yes. <laughs> Thank that, you. That is the word. <laughs> Not asterisk. No, it's asterisk. Or asterisk. 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 Anyway. Anyway, did you have any other innovations now that we've gone no, off on Verbal Safari? No, I think you, Lord, I think you covered all of them. Uh, yeah. All right, well, then it's time for us to move on to a very special segment. Mike is back. And Yay. Mike is going to teach us about music. And finally, we will have, once again, a return to some education on the topic. Uh, so, music with Mike. So, I, I kind of dropped the Final Fantasy Legends 2 on Mike at the last second. Uh, and that's on me. I also may have completely screwed up and forgotten to look at it and listen to it. I, but I, I like I like that better. I, I was willing to take ownership. So the three of us are going to muddle through this as best we can with Mike's with Mike's help. I think it'll still be better yeah. than what Russ and I normally do. Yeah. So Final Fantasy Legends two or Saga two. Okay, so um, this is very much off the cuff. Um, so having um, never heard this until about 30 seconds ago, I'm going to offer you what little I can in the way of um, explanation uh, about the music you're about to hear. 
or some points of interest that may have uh, otherwise escaped you. So, I mean, the first thing to notice here is that this is a Game Boy game, right? And so that's going to... I did notice that with the black and white graphics. I noticed. Okay, yes. good. I'm no, glad I definitely we... noticed that. I had to keep like doing a little slide on the side of my Game Boy. To get the contrast? To get the contrast, yeah. contrast correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've 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 come that far. We we know that much about the game. That's good. And we also um, know that probably means the soundtrack is not going to be that in depth. Right. So you've seen where I'm going with this. Um, the Game Boy was to put it uh, charitably a technologically compromised platform when it came to the music, especially. I mean, you could probably say that's true in all respects, and that's actually by design, right? So this is uh, not necessarily a knock on the Game Boy or its esteemed creator. Um, but it, it was sound, what it needed to be. Right. So the sound is primitive, um, particularly um, when compared against um, other platforms in the market at the time. Even the NES, which um, David Wise once memorably described as a glorified doorbell. Um, <laughs> the NES is still going to produce a much richer sound than the Game Boy. Um, and, and there's a simple reason for that, right? So uh, one thing is that it has very uh, low quality of um, sample rate. So it does have a sample channel, which is amazing. Um, but the, the quality of those samples is going to be low, low, low. I mean, they're like four bits. Um, and that's one channel of four. Four channels to create um, symphonic sound or something approximating it. And so it's amazing to me that we have sound on the Game Boy that is occasionally as good as it is. And you do have some composers who really make the thing sing. In fact, um, uh, on a separate episode, you're going to hear me jabber on a lot about Hitoshi Sakamoto, and his first game as a solo composer uh, was Bubble Ghost on the Game Boy, and he makes that thing sing. It's Apparently, amazing. Russ has played Bubble Ghost. I love Bubble Ghost. Oh, I've never heard okay. of Bubble Ghost. Bubble Ghost. Nice. Mm -hmm. Right, so... How's the music, Russ, in Bubble Ghost? Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. It's A+, plus, uh, to use the... I think that was the radio scale. Five stars? Uh, yeah. Um, two chimichangas. So, yeah. Um, so it's not impossible, right? Uh, it is It is um, conceivable that one could make something beautiful in the Game Boy. Now, um, again, that's that's working within some very strict limitations. Four channels. So there are two um, waveform channels. And um, I'm going to cheat here and look at Wikipedia. So you've got... Um, two pulse wave generators, one 4-bit sample channel, and then one noise generator. And so that's often what is... That makes sense. Yeah, that's totally... Yeah. I don't know what any of that is. Okay, good. Um, so it'll, it'll make sense in a minute here, especially when we start listening to some of the tracks. So often what you're going to hear is you might have a bass line of some kind, and then you might have one line that's kind of carrying the melody. Um, so some attempt to approximate an, uh, maybe a stringed instrument or a horn instrument. And then, um, more often than not, you've got that noise channel um, kind of stepping in to do um, drum noise. It's often used as a drum fill. And so, um, how you make that into a, a rich, multi-layered experience is something that is, uh, fortunately, just sort of beyond my ken, <laughs> right? Um, not experienced with uh, programming these sounds by any means. Um, but it's interesting to hear the evolution of the sound by going to a title like Legend 2, which, um, based on a tiny little bit I've heard, is going to be a, a more primitive, if that's the right word, primitive example of Game Boy Sound, um, not at all like um, X, for example, um, which is a Japanese-only title which has some of the best sound in the Game Boy, and um, we can maybe do a little Interesting. compare and contrast, if you like. So Japanese-only game I haven't heard of. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, little trivia note? So this is a. It was the an attempt to do a first person shoot 'em up on the Game Boy, which is frankly Whoa. incredible. Yeah. So, um, techn- technologically, is really pushing the platform to its limits. I'll put it that way. And um, uh, this was one of the very first games that Dylan Cuthbert worked on, and you might know him from his contributions to Star Fox. Oh, um, hmm. yeah. I heard, I've heard of that one. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm, because I'm sitting here talking at the moment here, I'm trying to remember uh, the name of the composer who did that game. Um, Animal Crossing <laughs> composer. Animal. Okay, in case you're curious, you if you type Animal too. Crossing into Wikipedia, it, it takes to you wildlife to crossing. Wildlife Crossing yeah, and a story about how they, wildlife crossings are established for real-life animals. Because apparently... Uh, that is the name of this game, right? Animal Crossing, despite having animal something force. like 20, 15 games in the series at this point, uh, does not warrant its own Wikipedia entry. There. Yeah, it wants the Animal Forest. Um, you can cut this down. In fact, wink, I recommend it. Um, there we go. So, Kazumi Tataka. Um, long, long, long time Nintendo composer. And his first game, actually, was X on the Game Boy. And oh, and then he did Mario Paint. I remember that. Yeah. And Super Mario Land 2, The Six Golden Coins. I like that one. So there's a track in X called Tunnel Scene that um, a lot of Game Boy music aficionados often point to as just like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> creme de la creme. Um, so... Uh, that's a lot of background. Uh, why don't we turn to Legend 2 sure. and hear what it sounds like. Alright, so uh, theme of the hero, should we start there? That is one of Russ's favorites. Okay. Uh, did you want to do you want to set up there? No, I just it, it, this is the this is the specific track that makes me think of Final Fantasy Legend 2. Okay. Like I can instantly so you're, you're directing incidentally, so you can however you want to set these things up. Um, Go right ahead. Okay. All right. I might interview you. I might have you say that again. Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> looking now at the uh, selections here, we don't have a, a ton of music here, which isn't unusual. Um, uh, the fact is, composing for a platform like this was always a case of, of struggling against limitation, um, as we've already established. And that Which meant, is sort of how I decide describe the game in general, is I felt like it was trying to be deeper than it could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's that's interesting to hear because um, it seems like you might have a parallel there in the music, not only in terms of the, the overall length of the soundtrack, but what you're going to hear <laughs> um, is a pretty simplistic composition. And again, that's not really a knock on the co-composers who are among the most famous names in video game music. Um, in fact, it was kind of a shock to me to see that um, uh, no less uh, a person than Nobuo Uematsu, thank you, um, himself, right, is sort of co-composed music for this, this uh, game, alongside Kenji Ito, who had a long and illustrious career at Square Enix, um, previously Squaresoft. And so uh, the two of them together creating music for this game and even though it's an early title for both of them um, you can hear them attempting to do as much as they can with this hardware and so um, let's hear first this is theme of the hero
making sure Russ is bobbing his head too. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty short, okay. and it, it loops pretty early. Okay, so your thoughts? What are you What are you hearing there? This is again. This is legend. Uh, excuse me. Um, theme of the hero by Kenji Ito and uh, Nobu Uematsu. Well, this is one of Russ's favorite themes from the from the game. It's the one. It's the one that makes me think of Final Fantasy Legend Two. This is the theme that happens whenever some, um, what I want to say, like a dramatic beat, like a story beat happens, and this is what plays. See, for me, when I'm thinking of Legend 2, I think I just think of the opening theme, and the rest of it's just kind of right, background Right, but that's, the, that's like the saga theme. Yeah. And this specifically reminds me of this, this entry. This Okay. Of this entry. Well, see, I don't have a lot of experience with the series. Right. Yeah. So. And so, what you're hearing there in terms of the composition is, um, there are two channels active. Um, that's it. Even in, though there were four available, and so you have... Uh, one channel carrying the melody, da, 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 and then underneath that you have a sort of woozy contrapuntal thing, um, and it's it's hard to guess what those instruments might be, what what they're trying to make them sound like. But um, um, this to me sounds like um, just fitting the, the name right, name mm -hmm. of the track, theme of the hero. This is um, maybe a, a a quest anthem you're right, yeah. going out Boldly for adventure marching forward so it's 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 high pitched the notes are sustained and searching um this is what plays in my head whenever i walk into a bar okay <laughs> right okay. <laughs> the the woozy part especially after you've uh, had a few <laughs> uh, yeah okay so that's the theme of the hero um and shall we listen to uh what was it um oh struggle to the death struggle to the death Yes. All right. So this, uh, in contrast, at least, is going to be a little more complex. Um, let's go ahead and take a listen to that. frenetic yeah right so um, frenetic it's the hardest song to play in theater rhythm Final Fantasy <laughs> <laughs> Russ I don't say this often on the show and I mean it even less I appreciate you <laughs> yeah. so I have never played the game but that's that's very instructive actually um, I feel like so let's I'm gonna go back and listen to this again um, okay, so, so I'm, I'm thinking about you right now, just 
Yeah. Mashing those buttons like crazy. Right. <laughs> so first of all, what we have here is is a track that's. I mean, it's not only more structurally complex. Um, there's a lot more happening here in terms of the melody, right? There's just many, many, many notes sequenced together. Um, but there's also a third track here. It sounds to me like I'd have to listen to this very carefully to be sure, but it does sound to me like you do have the drum, the drum track coming in and sitting alongside those two lines there that are playing together to create uh, a more rich timbral sound, right? And so once again, I just want to play this this opening portion. So it's not at all surprising to me that you would zero in on that as something that's memorable, right? Right. Uh, right. <laughs> Especially in contrast to the relatively placid, uh, maybe straight ahead melody of Theme of the Hero. What we have here is something that's not only more complex, but um, this is very deep in uh, Oematsu's own musical heritage. Um, his um, um, system of influences comes out of many things, but um, prog rock in particular. And this is something he's spoken about on a number of occasions. And um, there's a terrific episode of Retronauts um, in which Parrish and his um, compatriots go deep into the, the influences of Oematsu. So look that up if you're interested. But what I hear here is very much an attempt to approximate um, something like um, you might hear from Wick, Wick, Rick Wakeman or um, something on a Yes album, just the really technically complex um, piano or synth lines that you would hear in a prog composition. And this is very much trying to do prog rock in the Game Boy, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's a really good battle theme. I think it would fit into a lot of the JRPGs that we've played. Like, if that was the battle music, I'd accept it uh, probably all the way up to, like, the Super Nintendo as a valid... It wouldn't stick out to me as not advanced enough. Right? It. Um, I hear that, and I'm not even necessarily thinking Game Boy. I'm thinking NES. Okay. That's just me. Yeah. You have thoughts about that? Yeah, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's... Um, yeah, that's that's not unusual at all. I think that's. Um, I mean, there are after all, they're both eight bit yeah. platforms with eight bit sound hardware, and so they're going to have more in common than not. It does sound the, more black and white, but yeah, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> or you funny. know, shades of pea greens. Yeah. Um, yes, I remember that. Yeah, the the NES has, um, and again, I have to look this up to be um, more clear on the numbers, but I think it's six channels. Um, so you are able to to have more going on at one time. Um, to put it in a very straightforward way. And so when you listen to the most sophisticated um, NES compositions, like um, the one for Gimmick, for example, um, if you put these side by side, you'd begin to hear, oh yeah, okay, there's a lot more going on. But um, yeah, it's, I think you're absolutely right. What you're hearing is, is uh, sounds that are dominated by chimes, and we are, we're at least a generation away from having... Um, you know, PCM that's going to sound a little bit like a real instrument, and certainly by the time we get to the next game that we're discussing today, uh, you're you're much much closer to having something like. Um, you mean the game we're discussing next month, right? Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, and I'm I'm going to say this a million more times in my life, I'm sure. Uh, since Russ lives out of town, we film groups of games together and then space out the release so that I don't spend my entire life editing. So, yeah, we're filming multiple episodes today. You're just not going to see them today. 
I'm so. just so excited to get to next month that yeah, yeah, I forgot. Right. <laughs> Russ, or, or Mike's just going to hang out here for the next month. Yeah, I've, yeah. yeah I've got this like um, little hole in the wall I crawl into, and occasionally that's, that's um, where Jeff we keep them. puts food in there um, if I scream a lot. So, yeah, it's going to be great. It's a good relationship. Forward to it. Okay. Um, all right. So, Russ, was there anything else you wanted to add to our discussion of Final Fantasy Legends 2 music? No, I don't think I could add anything. Okay. All right. Uh, I also don't feel like I have anything more to add other than it, it's decent. Uh, despite the fact that it's not a Final Fantasy game, the fact that it... Now that I know that... What's his name? Nobuo Omatsu. Contributed to the soundtrack. Uh, it makes sense that I can... I, it does feel a bit Final Fantasy in places in the music, even though it's a saga game. And this is, you know, so again, we're just kind of looking at the Wikipedia <coughs> page here. This is... And indeed, it's an early composition for both of these gentlemen, um, and yet, um, such is his prolificness um, as a composer that this is already—I don't know—we're almost twenty games deep, I think, by the time yeah, Oatsu right. comes to Legend Two. So, um, and that's beginning in 1986. So, this is a a incredibly um, Productive and, and and it looks like the very next year he does Final Fantasy IV, which is one of my favorites. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I was wondering, um, just looking at this on the fly as I was, you know, how where is this situated in his gameography? You know, um, is this like an early opportunity for him to establish some cachet at Square? And the answer to that is no. This is his career is already pretty dang mature at this point. And not only mature, but um, incredibly varied. Just again, skimming this list, um, there's uh, a dating sim on here. Um, there's a, an adventure game, Tom Sawyer. Incredible, I had Tom Sawyer. Um, and then, um, of course, the Final Fantasy RPGs the, with which he is. Um, and so I see associated. saga games in the future, too. Yeah, there's a racing game. So, kind of amazing. Um, plenty there to do a future episode, perhaps, on Oamatsu. On I honestly think we might want to have you back at some point just to do an episode on Uematsu. There's there's a lot here, so um, yeah, just a special, just a musical special. Although I kind of like to do a musical special with Mike going into Mother One as well. Can we do a musical oh, yeah. special that's us literally singing the entire episode? Yeah. Yes, I, the two of you can do that. Okay. Everything must rhyme. We're going to yeah. I'm the I'm the Lucille Ball of singing. I love to do it, yeah. and nobody else wants to hear it. Those who have seen the show before will remember in bloopers Russ <laughs> singing the Golden Girls theme, the Sailor Moon theme. Actually, I think you and I both did Golden Girls a number of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is great. So we've got Lucille Ball. Um, you're going to beatbox. Um, sure. I'm just going to spin around in a circle. and We have yeah. choreography now. So See? I hope you'll tune in next time. Yeah. yeah. Final Fantasy Legend 2. Um, it is, it's a game I think a lot of people forget about. It, um, it, I think it is kind of forgettable, but it's really fun, and kind of like we said in the review, it's really, it's really fun if you like min-maxing characters, or, um, just, like, playing with the, like, playing with the mechanics of a game and a game system, like with the monster meat, um, and all of that. So I think, I think this is the kind of game you can get more enjoyment out of than just playing it straight, like playing it straightforward, 
listening to the story, fighting the battles. Um, you can like really manipulate your characters, and I think that's I think sometimes that's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I overall I would give the game a solid B plus. Um, I think it actually does have quite a good story um, for a 1990s Game Boy game, and because of all of the the sandbox fun that you can have with the characters, um, I would I would definitely recommend it. Solid B plus. I also like the game. Uh, I think it was probably a very fun game to have on the Game Boy where you'd pick it up and play it for a couple hours or play it on a car trip or whatever. Uh, I I feel like the game had a lot that it wanted to do and was somewhat hampered by the level of technology it was at. I really, as I played through the game, got the sense that it wanted to tell an even bigger story and have even bigger mechanics, but instead it settled for what it could do. And I'm not saying that as a negative. There's just, it's a good game. I'd give it a B. It just very clearly wanted to do more, I feel. And uh, maybe as we get further into the Saga series, we'll see them do more. Because eventually the Saga series does move off of the Game Boy. So it might be interesting to see what happens then. So Russ, if they want to play Final <laughs> Fantasy Legends 2 for themselves, where do they get it? Well, your best bet is to build a time machine and go back to 1990 because you can find it on a Game Boy cartridge. The Game Boy cartridges for it aren't that... It's not that rare a game. Oh, is it not? No. I, I found one at a garage sale for like a buck. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, Well, no. still, track down that Game Boy cartridge. It did have a remake for the Nintendo DS, Japan only. Ah, of course. Yeah. So, and there's no, like, there's no English patch that I'm aware of for it. So, uh... The Game Boy game, or a ROM, obviously. Not that we say you should use ROMs. Right. Always own the games that you're playing ROMs. I'm sure you can find a cart on eBay for oh, cheap. Yeah. It is not a rare game, yeah. luckily. It's fairly commonplace. And don't leave batteries in your Game Boy for 14 years, because they'll corrode. <laughs> and then... 13 years, and you're fine. Right. 14 is the cutoff. <laughs> All right, Russ. Uh... Actually, normally I have you announce the game for next time, but I picked it. So yeah, I'm, you did pick it. Mm -hmm. I, I picked the next game. <coughs> I picked a favorite of mine that I'm sure Russ is going to love. And I feel weird having two Final, Fa Final Fantasy titles in a row, but that's just how it played out. Our first Excuse PlayStation me, game. I to have this so I can scream into it. Our first PlayStation game, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Final yes. Fantasy Tactics for the PlayStation. We'll see you next time. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Mike Hughes can be found on Twitter at MobilesWorking. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.
With the pillows like this, we have to sit closer together. You did that. You did that on purpose. Because I want this to be intimate. I think this should be called, instead of home on the RNG, it should be an intimate, an intimate evening with Jeff and Ross playing a JRPG. I think and that's, that's a long also title. a lot. Well, I was gonna say because that title is, it's like a light. It's like the title of a light novel. Like, I was a poorly paid salary man and was reincarnated into another world as a vending machine, which is an actual visual novel or not visual novel, light novel. I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's getting. I think it's getting an anime. I think it did already. No, I believe me. I would have watched it. Oh, okay. If it already had an anime. But I think there's one an adaptation coming, because that's what I love is my my trash light novel anime. I'm trying to signal to future me that he can stop scrubbing through the footage. Burp, 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 burp. burp. Final Fantasy Legends Two. How are you supposed to hold your head when you're a model? Aren't you supposed to like hold your neck out and your head kind of tilted down because it makes you. I think we should review Psych. And so it begins. James Roday is going to be in a new um, show. And I was really excited about that. I really love him and I loved him as Sean. But the new show looks kind of like one of those like This Is Us shows. And I'm really not into that because I don't want to go home and cry. I don't like going home to cry. I mean, sometimes I do, but not from watching This Is Us. Are you ready? I don't think they're ever going to make that, let that girl lose the weight. Final Fan Final Fantasy Legend Two. Correct. Two. Are you ready? Two. Does that mean you're ready? Two. Is that your way of saying you're ready? Two. No, two. Two. Correct. Tuzen. Did you say Twazen? Did no. you ever say Twazen? No. Before you got it. I said Tucson. Okay. Like Tucson. No, I know. Once I figured it out. Okay. But when I was actually like 11 or whatever. Are you ready? And I first started playing the game. It wasn't until I got to Threed that I got it. That I got it was Onet, which I guess you would say Onet, but I don't think anybody says Onet. And then Tuzen and then Threed and then Foresight. That's when I got it. So what I'm going to do is from the moment we started filming until we actually start the review, that is all going to be a blooper. With the tag on, with the little card at the beginning that's going to say, this is what happens every time we try to start filming a review. And that way people will understand the long suffering look <laughs> on my face during most of the review. I need people to understand what I have to go through while Russ amps himself up to talk about video games, which he does all the time on his own. But as soon as you include a camera in it, it takes yeah. him 20 minutes. I, I can never be an, act, an actor because I'm, I do kind of get weird in, with a camera. Are you ready? 
I can move inside. I did not like the Dusty Dunes Desert, or whatever it was called, where you had to find the contact lens. You didn't have to. I know you didn't have to, and when I was a kid, I completely skipped it. But now, I feel like I have to, like, I have to... Although the story between the two seeds is the most compelling right. story in Earth. I know. Are you ready? And I kept getting heat stroke. I might actually get real heat stroke. It's so hot. It's 73 degrees in this apartment. It's like, but I mean outside. If you make me go outside anymore. Are you ready? It's not 73 degrees outside. You are correct. It is not. Are you ready to start? I think we're now into about 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes of this. I'd like to start filming the review if that's okay with you. Press my back. Like, press down on my back. No. I'm not going to burp you or whatever it is you're trying to get me to do. I need to pop it. This isn't a weird sex thing. This is just, I need to pop my back. No, I mean, like, press it. That was actually great. Thank you. Can we start the review okay. now? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then it was Tuesday. <laughs> Are you ready? Just waiting on you. I'm ready. Thank you. <laughs>